What metrics are you using today to determine your supply chain performance? Are you sure you're measuring the right stuff? Are your metrics insightful? Are they near real time? And are they actionable? These are going to be the questions you should be asking yourself as a supply chain manager, but do you have these answers? Measuring the right key performance indicators or KPIs is vital to the health and success of your business. For example, being able to not just say orders are processed two times faster, but to also give the exact breakdown. Orders are being processed in 48 seconds, down from 90 seconds. Having this type of data allows you to report on the company's success in a more profound way and also allows for continuous improvement to stay ahead of the competition. Esker's Director of Sales, Dan Reeve, recently sat down with Joe Hanasek, Esker's Customer Experience Manager, and Chris Pfefferly, an order management consultant, to discuss what metrics people rely on too much and which ones managers should take a closer look at. I'm Scott Leahy, and this is Esker On Air. So folks, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, once again, it's uh, the Esker Podcast. Uh, chaired by myself, Dan Reeve, and today I've got some special guests. First, I'd like to introduce Chris Feffley. Uh, Chris is a, a good friend, and I had the pleasure of uh, working with Chris over the last, dare I say, 15 years. Uh, Chris is, when I when I first met Chris, she was um, head of customer service and logistics there at Telabs in Naperville, Chicago, and that was part of a project to uh, improve customer experience, order management, and Chris comes, so she's a seasoned practitioner with 25 plus years in in customer service, order management, fulfillment, supply chain excellence, and just a real pro in my experience. So Chris, thank you for coming into Madison today. Great to see you. Thank you, Dan. It's it's nice to be here back in my home state and it's always a pleasure to be here with Esker. Great. So the other gentleman who joined, Joe Hanasek. Joe works here at Esker, head of customer experience for Esker. Uh, similar amount of experience in both project management, delivery, ensuring an ever-improving customer experience. Great to have Joe, not just because he's my hunting buddy, but also because uh, I see you doing some really interesting things, helping customers to sort of track what's going well in the organization and bringing them insights and metrics and helping them benchmark based on order management, supply chain, payables, statistics. And, and, and I see Folks are really searching to know what's going on, and you're helping. You're, you and your team are helping them to get at better data to do that. So, we'll, the the plan today, I think, if we were to give this podcast a title, we'd probably call it "Supply Chain Metrics That Matter." And Chris, perhaps we could hand the conversation to yourself. You know, one of the things I'm aware you've been doing is C-level uh, leaders have been sort of inviting you into the organizations to take a survey and provide an analysis of the supply chain, the order management, the metrics that are going on. But when when you and I were speaking recently, I think you said, well, there's traditional metrics and KPIs that folks in the supply chain or the C-suite have been looking for. Maybe those type of metrics are still needed, but there's other metrics that folks are either asking for or should be asking for and should be looking at. Would Would you comment on that? Sure. Yes. Great question. So, yeah, I mean, when you look at the metrics that people are looking at, most companies look at through traditional metrics they're looking at sales, gross margin, performance and functional organizations. And that's important. But um, in supply chain, the things that executives are looking for and that I would emphasize is looking at metrics that really matter. So 
you don't need to gather a whole lot of metrics. What you really need to do is focus on the ones that are really going to move the needle for your organization. So identifying and tracking the metrics that are key to your business, I think, is very important. And don't let other metrics distract you from what's important. And, and what I really emphasize is the metrics you're using in supply chain or order management should be measuring your performance from the customer's perspective. So functional metrics are great, but cross-functional metrics are more important. And those that look at your business from the customer's eyes are really, really key. And then making sure that your metrics, and this is really important for me, three things, they're insightful, they're almost real time and they're actionable because without being real time and actionable, you know, you're not really going to move the needle in terms of improving the customer experience or improving the, the company performance. So you mentioned something there and this reminds me of a conversation we had where I think you spoke about in the past or still today, many folks rely on net promoter score. And it was interesting because you know, I was in the gym this morning listening to Tony Robbins on my podcast, and he was interviewing the founder of Peloton. And the founder of Peloton was talking about how insurance companies and banks often have a score, and I think he said it goes from negative 100 to positive 100. And Peloton have got a score currently averaging in the 90, so positive 90. So they're obviously doing some good things. So it seems that like net promoter score has value, but is that enough? Mm. So net promoter, net promoter score, I, um, it's actually not one that I am high on, and here is why. The net promoter score, if a company does it right, it can be very beneficial. But most companies just ask the question, you know, how likely are you to recommend our company, our products, our services, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, it, and without follow-up questions that are real-time, insightful, and actionable, it's just a piece of data that gets gets used within the organization by different functional organizations for different reasons. So as long as there is follow-up, as long as the data is near real time, in most NPS scores, you know, you're, you either don't interview enough people or get enough responses, or you get them very late. So by the time you get them from a supply chain executive's perspective, they want to be able to change things immediately that are going wrong in, in their company or in their transportation or somewhere in the supply chain from the company out to the customer. And the NPS score for me, you know, just doesn't cut it. I think there are other much more valuable metrics that companies should be looking at that really help you understand the customer's experience with the company. So I'm going to come back to you on that, if I may. Sure. Joe, you've, you've obviously, uh, here at Esker, both internally and with thousands of customers, run surveys and you've looked at net promoter score. And I think in, sometimes you two have said things like, we kind of expected that. Net promoter score is just telling us what we thought would be the case. So what's your view on net promoter score? and What are you doing to track sort of the, the customer engagement and areas where we can improve or helping our customers when they, when they survey their customers? Yeah, we, we do use net promoter score as a metric, but I don't disagree with anything Chris said related to it. What we do when we do survey is we include net promoter score as part of a larger packet of survey questions, and it's always the first question in that survey packet. So that if we only get the answer to one question in the survey, at least we have some idea of, of uh, customer loyalty to Esker. 
which is really what the net promoter score is, is telling us. But it's really the other data and the other questions that gives us that immediacy and gives us that actionable feedback that we can you know, make adjustments on based on uh, you know, how customers are answering those questions. And so we tend to send the surveys that have the MPS questions in them immediately after some sort of customer interaction with Esker because that gives us that live data, it gives it timeliness, and allows us to take action or corrective measures if, you know, if there's something wrong in a way that has influence. Chris, you were talking about other metrics. Would you expand on that? I would, but could I just maybe address what Joe said? Sure. Because I think that that's important. I think one of the things that I would like to stress, especially if you look at the retail space, which is very different than the space that Esker is playing in. Right, B2B. But if you look at the impacts of COVID and the pandemic and the geopolitical influences on companies and just take retail as an example, if your information on NPS is not really real time, um, brand loyalty is something that is dissipating very quickly based on the pandemic because consumers will switch brands based on product availability and based on cost. And what we're seeing is that the pandemic is driving that even more and more into an, an, an impacting consumer brand loyalty. So I just wanted to say that about NPS scores. But yeah, there are, there are metrics that I think are really important in the supply chain. And specifically when it comes to taking orders, managing orders, and fulfilling orders, which are kind of like the heartbeat of a company, right? Mm. The first one that I think is important is OTIF, or on-time in full. And a lot of companies will measure something like on-time. They may even measure on-time in full in full, but they'll measure it at a SKU level. And somebody in inventory management will think, hey, look, my on-time in full number for my um, SKU is very high. But from a customer's perspective, on-time in full means every SKU on an order on-time in full. And so the reason I like on-time in full is because it measures the ability of all the functional organizations within the company to work together to better serve the customer and therefore improve company performance. So it's cross-functional in nature and it gives you a view to what the customer experience would be like. The second one I think is important is a perfect order index and that you know typically is considered the holy grail mm -hmm. for order management. And I say perfect order index, but I don't mean that your POI or perfect order index has to be, you know, 95 or 100%. The perfect order index measures, you know, whether or not you are fulfilling everything on your order on time accurately with perfect documentation. And the goal for measuring POI is not to say I want my POI index to be 85% or I want it to be you know, 95% or I want to be the best in the industry. What you really want to do is use it to, to determine how many orders you can fulfill perfectly that really optimize what the company is doing for the customer. So it's not to say I need to be the best of the best, but it's what do I have to be? Because to have a perfect order index and 100%, I don't think there's any company out there who can afford to be that good because the cost would be astronomical for the company. So it's really how do you use that as your own measurement to understand how well you're doing delivering to your customers and everybody working together. It's a lot like the OTIF. Um, and then the other one I really like is zero touch. 
And the reason I like zero touch is because it also is a measurement of how many times an order is touched as it passes through a company's processes and systems on its way to a customer. So it's helping to measure the effectiveness and efficiency of a company's systems and processes working together. And then it also helps you understand how well you're doing with customer experience and very importantly, it helps you understand what your costs are and where there are opportunities to reduce those costs and improve the efficiency. Because as we all know, touches on orders can interject delay, they can interject errors, and all of those can have a negative impact on customer satisfaction. And I think the points you just made, uh, a friend of mine is uh, Chris Poole at Gartner, says many of the similar things, and say, but he and I, I think we both agree that there is the drive to make all orders touchless with zero touch. There's also the reality of, okay, not every order can be, but can we focus on why not? Can we focus on taking touchlesses out of the equation? And, and in doing so, that frees up folks to go and do more valuable work, to serve the customer, to plan some deliveries, to, to look at where, where on earth folks, VPs and supply chain in the building materials space right now say, a lot of our order management activity is, is we, we have more demand than we can fulfill. So the minute an order comes in, yes, we need to recognize priority orders, but two, we need to immediately focus on sourcing, where we're going to get the product from. And otherwise, we just we book the order, but we're dealing with a lot of frustration from customers who really are in a hurry to get the product, and there's, there's such supply chain lags that we're dealing with. So we need to free people up, take touches out of the process, reduce the cost, and then... Again, I think it's back to that mantra of free up customer service folks to go and be rock stars. Right. Um, Joe, you, you spend some time in that space, helping companies move towards zero touch or as touch less as possible and taking touches out of the equation. How, how do you do that? What are you helping folks to track? And, and what visibility are you giving folks, supply chain leaders, customer service leaders? Yeah, I think Chris's point is pretty valid when it comes to that. Touchless doesn't necessarily, you know, or reducing touches on, on orders doesn't just mean at the order entry piece of the equation. It's, it really is cross-functional throughout the life of the order, and certain touches have varying costs associated with them. You know, uh, a touch in shipping has a different cost than a touch in order entry, you know, that kind of a thing. But... Because Esker plays in the order entry area, those are the touches that we focus on with our customers. And so we do have you know, stock reports in our solution that help customers understand their uh, order automation rate. You know, of all the fields required to enter an order, how many of those must be touched? You know, and, and our metric is trying to target customers into the 90 to 95% target zone in terms of number of fields that need to be touched, um, our customer average is 85% across all of our customers. So, you know, we're, uh, but we have a sweet spot. We like to kind of steer customers based on the data that we can pull from within Esker. And then we do have about 32% of our customers that are doing some uh, of the order entry part of the process, no touch. And of those customers, I have the data here, I ran the data before we started this, 14.6 of their orders are able to flow through that way on average across all of our customers. There's lots of reasons that orders 
you know, have to have some sort of touch at the order entry phase. And a lot of times those reasons are because of something that occurs downstream in the order uh, process, you know, in the life of an order and fulfilling that order. So give us an example of what, what might that so, be. So, yeah, so a great example of that might be uh, ERP data. So it could be the, the customer data is dirty or the material data is dirty. Could be pricing isn't up, up to date. Uh, there could be uh, business rules related to their ERP. You know, I've seen a lot of different cases over the years. But all of that can impact, uh, you know, how many touches an order needs to have throughout its, its life, not just in order entry, but further downstream. And things downstream and upstream can impact, you know, any given step in that process as well. So Chris is absolutely right when she talked about cross-functional at the top of the podcast. That's really impart, important to get all those teams together, you know, singing from the same hymnal. Right. I, I agree because one organization upstream can turn a dial or the order to the left and then it goes to the next phase and someone turns it to the right. And before you know it, it's just getting twisted all around within the company. We see that actually, yes. And there are many places along the, the order's life from order capture to order management to fulfillment to delivery and then beyond when a customer wants to return an order. So there are so many ways that an order can be touched beyond order capture and so it's important for companies one of the things that I do or we do in the consulting world is to look at all of those order touches throughout kind of a, a company's current or as-is process identify where those order touches take place understand why they take place because they're technically a pain point within the organization that needs to be eradicated so you kind of do this as-is analysis of where all those touch points are occurring and then you work to eliminate them and then you just keep that cycle going on um, throughout the company so that you're ultimately mitigating order touches and re reducing the cost and improving the, the throughput of the order and ultimately improving the customer's experience. And you've done that and you've seen that and you've helped companies to get a true picture of what's going on and then you've helped them transform to be in a better place. What, what are you seeing that customer service, what does that mean for customer service and supply chain? You know, I'm wondering how does that success then show up either for the customer, for the organization, or for the customer service reps themselves? So there are, I have perhaps a few anecdotes to share, but are there, are there things that you've seen? And um, I know you've delivered technology and improved processes yourself. I mean, right. would you speak a little to, to what does that mean for the, the different Folks. Sure. Well, the more you can automate, whether it's at order capture or throughout the processes, um, you know, the less work there is for customer service and the more you can improve supply chain performance. So it's not just all around the order, but it's around the, the entire company's cross-functional organizations working together, you know, looking at the right metrics to improve delivery, whether it's a product or a service to a customer. So the more you can do that, the less drag, if you will, on customer service. So they can actually work on much more proactive things or work much, much more expeditiously on resolving customer issues. Right. So, you know, I think it's very important for people to understand that as you improve these processes, as you reduce order touches, as you improve your performance, the customer service organization, you know, then can be, can morph into something beyond just, you know, handling customer issues. Right. Well, actually, what you just said, that reminded me to the last time we were in Arizona for the Gartner annual event and the supply chain event. And I remember they talked about in the future, companies would compete not just through product and price alone, but they would have to compete through 
customer service, customer experience. And part of that, they said, is it even goes further. Companies will differentiate themselves by their ability to deliver very well against um, time expectations, but also to resolve and fix issues really quickly and in, in a seamless manner. And, and I think that when we talk about freeing up folks to be rock stars, freeing up customer service folks, a lot of the drive, the trend in the industry now, be it customer service or folks in the accounts payable department is, are you hiring folks that are both analytical, can understand process, have empathy and can, and can deal with customers or suppliers? And ultimately you're freeing up that new talent, that new skill set, so those folks can go and quickly solve, improve processes, improve collaboration, and, and make the customer experience pleasurable, even when there's a problem. You know, hey, this gets fixed quickly. We can quickly analyze, we can come up with a solution, we can understand what's going on. That seemed to be the trend and, and what they were suggesting was the direction that companies needed to go in. Would you comment on that? I mean, I, I see you're nodding your head, so you don't, it doesn't look like you disagree, but what, what do you see going on out there? I would, I would agree completely. So customer experience is a huge area of focus right now. And I really believe that the pandemic and the geopolitical influences and all of the stress that's coming onto supply chains really puts emphasis on customer experience. Yes, you know, there are certain things that are table stakes like product availability and pricing and, you know, capabilities of those products. But where companies will really excel will be in the customer experience area. And that is why so many companies are struggling to understand, you know, how do we do this? And and unfortunately what happens is when they're hiring for a customer service organization, you know, they're not hiring people with 30 years experience. They're hiring, you know, younger, less skilled employees. And what they really need to do is turn that around and upskill those employees so that they can begin to work on much more value added um, services and capabilities than just, like I said, responding to customer issues. Are there particular skills or traits, having been in that role yourself when you were running customer service order management, I believe, was one of the functions that you oversaw. Were there particular skills or traits that you were always sort of interested, if, if you saw that in a, um, somebody applying for the job, were there particular skills or traits you would be you know, inclined to in interview if you saw that on a resume? Yes. I mean, I actually think that the best customer service rep is somebody who is a very effective listener. Uh, because too many times when the customer is calling, you know, they're not calling to say, hey, I hope you're having a great day. I really like you. They're calling because they have an issue that they need resolved. And the first thing they need is for somebody to listen and truly understand what their issue is. And, you know, they may be calling about one thing, but their real underlying issue is something else. And so being a very effective listener, and like you said, you use the word empathy. Mm. I think mm. that's very important as well is is to be able to understand rather than to just go through my list of oh when a customer calls in here's my four things I need four steps I need to go through regardless of what you know they're saying to me on the phone right, so right. that I think is the most um, important skill of all. Well, I think if you don't do that, you end up. We've all been there. You know, I just want you to understand me and listen to me and, and do you get me. You know, that's that's the fundamental drive. And maybe when, when companies focus on that, okay, now we can talk about how we're going to fix it or what went wrong. We talked about KPIs, we talked about net promoter score. Are there other metrics or KPIs or best practices that you would, for the supply chain leaders, the digital leaders, finance leaders who are listening in today, are there other top tips or suggestions that you would, um, you, you would make? Well, you know, my answer today would be very different than my answer perhaps a year and a half ago. 
Um, and I think it's all being driven by what's taking place in the, you know, in the business world today. So business today is being done very differently in terms of how business is done and where business is done. A lot of that really driven by the pandemic and all of the other things that are resulting from a pandemic such as this. So, you know, when you look at what supply chain leaders that I'm seeing, so mm -hmm. this is just from my perspective, what I'm seeing a focus on is supply chain disruptions. How do we manage the supply chain disruptions, whether it's around ordering, product availability, delivery, you know, what can we do about disruptions? What can we do about capacity constraints? Um, what can we do about consumer expectations? Because right now, brand loyalty, especially in like re retail, CPG, I'm sure this is not such an issue in banking, not such an issue in like aerospace, but for any industry that's kind of in this retail consumer facing um, area, brand loyalty is something that is going to be very hard to maintain based on you know availability of product availability of services so companies really need to be focused on innovation and that's what supply chain executives are worried about is how do we innovate quickly in this time when so much is happening and we need to be able to anticipate all these different needs and so innovation i think is one of the things they're very focused on and that's an area where companies like esker can really shine and you know i can follow you i know you guys are doing fairly well and that's probably because you know if you look at what's happening in the industry today people need to know how to do things you know better faster smarter and speed speed to making decisions and speed to getting things done you want it to be a choice not an outcome I and mean, businesses business leaders want that to be a choice they make. They don't want to be, you know, kind of on the on the back end of things being just experiencing things. They want to go out and drive things. And so there are a number of those factors that supply chain leaders are concerned about and looking at. And so therefore, you know, any metrics that involve being able to understand volatility, performance, impact on the customer, what can we do to innovate? And and I know you didn't ask this question, but one of those things that is very important and it's tied to metrics is benchmarking, anticipating and understanding what's going to happen out there, not today, but what's going to be happening a month down the road or two months down the road because innovation is happening at a very fast pace. I mean, we look at what's happening today and, you know, 10 times the digital interventions are or innovations are happening since we started the pandemic. And, you know, you look at what happens in spaces that nobody expects, right? Like the largest taxi service, mm. Uber, doesn't own a single vehicle. Mm. The largest accommodation provider, Airbnb, doesn't own a single piece of real estate. You know, the largest media content, Facebook, doesn't own it, you know, it doesn't create any media. So their executives are very concerned about what this rapid pace is doing to their performance. And in order to understand their performance, they have to be focused on the right metrics. Yeah, to kind of dovetail onto that, you talked about earlier kind of the the you know the perfect order index and that you know that metric is important. One of the pieces to that metric is something we've been working with a lot of customers on, um, and that's the order cycle time, which is really important because there's really no visibility about the order about the demand until that order is in the ERP. That's when the organization has visibility. 
to everything. So a lot of our customers have been focused on that order cycle time. How long from the time I receive the order until that order is entered in the ERP so I have all of my data you know, going forward and all of the things that need to happen you know, in manufacturing and in, and in uh, order fulfillment and in supply and, you know, all the way up to chain to raw materials ordering and, and so forth. So a lot of impacts on that. And we've been working with our customers to kind of help them, you know, see what that order cycle time is and show them where they, you know, where we see bottlenecks that can improve that order cycle time, which is a, you know, definitely a component for your POI. You know, Jill, that's an excellent point because when people talk about metrics, you know, a lot of times they're just talking, they're talking about a particular number and numbers are great. Let's use credit holds, for example, because you talked about, you Mm -hmm. know, in the ordering space. So credit holds. So, you know, I processed 35 credit holds today. Wow, that's good. No, not necessarily. What the executive team wants to know is how quickly did you process those credit holds? You know, did you process... 35 of them, but you took, it took you a week to get all 35 of those done. So, you know, kind of gets that speed thing I was talking about today. It's so important to be very efficient and effective at the same time. So I love cycle time metrics as well, because they really focus on what's important, which is finding a problem and resolving the problem very expeditiously, not just, oh, wow, I did, you know, 35 and isn't that, that's a good number because I got all those done. So cycle times, whether it's order processing, whether it's fulfillment cycle times, whether right. it's credit hold cycle times. Cycle time, I think, is is real important. I'm glad you brought that up. You, you mentioned something there. So you mentioned credit holds. When we think about order to cash, many leaders today are, are thinking about a more holistic cycle, They're thinking about let's bring on customers. And the pandemic made many organizations have to pay closer scrutiny into what's the credit risk or what's the credit current credit situation with the organizations we deal with. And that's an ever-evolving need. For example, are we dealing with a com- are we supplying materials to the restaurant industry? Well, some of these restaurants may be in a tough situation. Some will be financially secure, some may not. And we may need to change either the amount of uh, credit we give them or the, the, the terms and conditions. So we see folks thinking more holistically about, okay, we need to do credit scoring, bring alerts so we know that we may need to change how we engage with that customer through to processing the order, fulfilling, delivering the invoice, supplying the cash. And of course, I think you almost hinted on it there. What about deductions? What about uh, you know getting those resolved across the cross-functional department? Because there's so many different departments who are involved or need to be engaged to figure out, is this credit, is this deduction fair? on time, should we honor this, or do we need to challenge this? In your experience, were you, you know, I wonder to what extent were your teams engaged in both, other than order management, were your teams having to spend as much time on credit checking and then clearing deductions, etc.? Is that a new phenomenon, or has that become more of the role for the customer service rep today? Excellent question. So yes, there is a huge focus on deductions because for certain industries like CPG, you're talking about any given time tens of millions of dollars in deductions that need to be reconciled. So there is a huge focus in kind of the order to cash stream to take it all the way to the end until you've closed out every deduction, when you've managed every return, when all the money, the cash is settled. So there is a big focus on 
automating deductions and making sure that deductions aren't given unless they're they're accurate and there's a lot of money caught up in in that area in certain industries so it is very key in today's world right now right and and we see that or i should say companies share that increasingly they want to provide technology that will allow their 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 credit folks their finance folks their customer service the logistics folks to get to the root cause and find out is this is this fair is this reasonable are we um, are we paying out money we should or should not be let me ask you this chris so having spent years in the industry providing um, you know leadership both customer service fulfillment logistics etc what what are you doing now so you, i understand you've you've today you've your own organization and you offer consulting ad, advice and insights to the, the, the executive teams so they can better understand what's going on and how they can improve. How they, I believe to what you've talked about, how they can stay ahead of the curve and, and, and compete. So what are the sort of, what are the reasons folks turn to you? What are the type of services you provide organizations who may be listening to this today? Yeah, sure. So a lot of it is around the order management processes, because that's kind of an area right now where where a lot of people are taking a look at. And so from looking at from order capture all the way through to deductions, Hmm. you know, what do they need to be doing differently? Are they looking at technology implementations and how should they change their processes? So it's doing evaluations on looking at as is versus a to be in conjunction with a technology implementation, whether it's Um, implementing distributed order management or some automation capability, whether it's at order capture or whether it's workflow. And then understanding really the metrics around what should they be looking at in terms of metrics in measuring performance and kind of the new world state. And that really has been my focus really over the last, gosh, I would say five years, including my time with Genpact. And those companies range anywhere from small to mid-sized to even large-sized companies. And it is amazing to me, you know, how many large companies still struggle with pockets in their business that aren't run consistently across the globe. They don't use the uh, consistent tools or consistent processes. And therefore, it's like one very large company is being run like maybe 20 smaller companies. And then every time there's an interconnection point, there's a breakdown in something. And what that results in is the poor customer experience. So kind of looking at all of these areas from order capture through to deductions, How should my processes be in conjunction with changes in technology? What technology should I be evaluating? And then what should I, you know, help me understand, are my metrics good? Are they bad? Are they indifferent? Am I measuring the right stuff? Should I measure something differently? Um, So that's kind of the the area I've been working in. And what's the best way for folks to to reach you? How can they contact you? Yeah, so we can put out a phone number, email. I have a website that should be ready shortly. So maybe what we'll do is we'll put your contact details online and folks will be able to click and contact you directly. Perfect. Any any final points you want to add yourself, Joe? No, I don't think so. I would just like to thank uh, both you and Chris for uh, coming here and talking, you know, in the podcast today. Chris, I really appreciate your expertise. I uh, certainly have learned some things from following you and reading some of the work that you've published And I really wish some of our customers would hire someone from outside their organization. Sometimes they need that that view from someone that's uh, neutral outside the organization to kind of prod them 
in the direction because they're so focused in their individual silos and need someone to kind of bring them together. So I highly recommend Chris for doing that and, you know, hope that uh, some of those listening will will engage. Uh, we have definitely seen some customers that, that could, you know, use some assistance in that area. Joe, best way for folks to contact you here at Esca? Yeah, it's joe.hanasek, that's H-A-N-O-U-S-E-K, at esker.com. So with that said, thanks very much for listening in. If there's any questions we can answer or we can provide more guidance on the topics we discussed, more than happy to do so. Well, thank you to Dan, Joe, and Chris for being our guests today. Uh, If you have any questions or are interested in learning more about what metrics you should use as KPIs, you can find contact information in the show notes. Uh, But as always, if you are interested in learning more about Esker, you can find us at esker.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and we'll talk to you next time.